We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So I don't know if you remember leading up to the uh, the twenty uh, what was it the twenty eighteen draft when right before the Niners took McGlinchey. I think the week before the draft, I tweeted something like about Derwin James. And how I thought Derwin James was super good and, um, you know, the 49ers should really take a hard look at number nine because, you know, I wasn't totally sure about Adrian Colbert and Jaquaski Tart and things like that. And uh, sure. do you remember, I don't know if you, but like all these people got in my mentions. Oh, I they, very much remember this because I was with you. I was, we were yeah, on the same side. They were, they were tagging Tart and Colbert, um, acting like I was, I was throwing shade and disrespecting them. And, and like, I actually heard from somebody with the team that like, no, they actually were kind of pissed about that. And both of them like wrote things like don't respond to, to bloggers or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know if Colbert and Tart like knew exactly who was saying it. Like, cause I'm there every day, obviously. Um, but anyway, I tell that story be- because I think uh, Adrian Colbert and I might've buried the hatchet yesterday. At least it seemed like that. We had a kind of not a long Game of Thrones discussion, but we talked about Thrones a little bit. He's a big Thrones guy, and he was wearing a shirt after practice during his scrum with reporters. It was the Tyrion uh, I drink and I know things shirt. Excellent. And and we shared similar takes, and, and our take was um, Tyrion clearly lost it when he was unable to drink like a fish and uh, and frequent the brothels. And we both, came to the con- we both came to the conclusion that maybe he would have been uh, a better advisor, had his wits about him a little bit more uh, if he was able to supplement himself with his PEDs, i.e. wine <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and I guess the, uh, the brothels. So I think Colbert and I are all good after, after that fake Twitter dust up from, uh, from a couple years ago. I just want to let everybody know that there was one guy in particular – who said that he wins the argument unless Derwin James is the defensive rookie of the year and Jaquaski Tark gets hurt. 
and that basically <laughs> happened. So I feel I feel after watching Derwin James, I feel very vindicated in thinking the 49ers should have taken him. On the other hand, Mike McGlinchey was sensational, and it's really hard to argue against that pick. Absolutely. Good pick. Derwin James is good. I, so I, is Mike just, I think it's funny when people argue about football players on Twitter and then like do the thing where like, oh yeah, we'll say it to my face. You won't come here and say it to my face. I'll fight you, blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, like imagine if people fought each other like, each other over like ice cream flavors. That's what I feel like arguing about football players is. That's all of Twitter though. That's not even just football. Like, <laughs> like, come to, like all right, fine. If you want to argue about this over a soda, like we can do that if you want. You right. come to me though. I'm not leaving my home. Right. It's uh, it's an art, Kyle. It's not a science. I know, man. You've got it down. I do not. <laughs> this is Mike McGlinchey of the San Francisco 49ers, and you're listening to the Candlestick Chronicles. This is Blue Wire. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, as always, it's the content czar at Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group, NinersWire.com. Kyle Madsen, what's going on, buddy? I've been thinking about getting content czar tattooed across my chest. I mean, you should. If you did that, <laughs> would you make it your, your Twitter avatar for at least a day? Yeah, absolutely. And I would make sure that content czar is absolutely spelled wrong. <laughs> what what font would you get? Old English? Mm, that's too typical. I think okay. maybe like a little Helvetica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing stands out like a good Helvetica tat. Comic Sans. Uh, okay, now, now, now we're cooking. <laughs> um, so it's been a little bit uh, of time since since our last podcast. Obviously, we're in the slower portion of, of the offseason, but we have seen a second OTA practice now. So we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. We got to watch practice for a second time uh, during OTAs yesterday. Uh, so we learned a little bit more, not a whole lot. Uh, the, the 49ers are still dealing with a slew of injuries. That really hasn't changed um, and it's hard to really glean anything about the offense at this point, which we'll talk about a little bit too. But there are some significant changes on defense, both schematically and, and personnel-wise, that we're going to dive into. But first, uh, I guess we got to talk about some roster news. The 49ers cut Pita Taumoe Penu, uh, the six-round pick in 2017, a pass rusher slash Sam linebacker. Um, somebody they brought in with a chance to develop. He spent most of the last two years on the practice squad, intriguing physical skills, a little bit undersized, um, and just didn't really fit this new look scheme, this wide nine version of the defensive front that the 49ers are implementing under their new defensive line coach, Chris Kosurik. Uh, so cutting him made room for Dante Johnson. Yes, that same Dante Johnson, the former 49ers, I believe he was a fourth round draft pick in 2015 yeah 2015 uh long arm stringy guys really struggled in at the end of 2017 the 49ers decided not to bring bring him back instead they signed richard sherman a couple days after he was signed or sorry released by the seahawks uh i think richard sherman was an upgrade over dante johnson but johnson is back to provide depth and one of the reasons why johnson is back uh, is because of the injury to Jimmy Ward, but also because of that injury, Tarverius Moore is moving to safety 
at least for the offseason program until Jimmy Ward returns. And I know that's a popular subject on Twitter um, because every week when I write a mailbag and ask people on Twitter for, for questions, just about, I mean, it's a weekly occurrence that somebody asks me, are the 49ers going to move Tervarius more to safety? And the answer is finally yes. Um, I was skeptical. I, I wasn't sure it would happen. I think given the overall lack of depth at cornerback, I thought they were going to continue developing more there. He obviously played free safety at Southern Miss uh, and they converted him to cornerback. So, I mean, Kyle, what are your thoughts about Moore finally making the switch? It's certainly intriguing and something that the fact they did it after the injury to Ward tells me that it was at least in the back of their mind throughout the offseason and maybe that informed their decisions a little bit in not adding anybody at safety. I say not adding. They obviously re-signed uh, Jimmy Ward and, and re-signed Anton Exum but didn't add anybody new. I think maybe because in the back of their minds a little bit, they knew they had this guy who was a very good uh, safety in college who they could theoretically move there if they needed to. And in, in this case, they needed to. I'm not sold on the idea that this is his new position. I'm not totally out on him as a cornerback. However, if he does get snaps there or he is getting snaps there, if he has success in those in that playing time, I would not be surprised if this switch became permanent. Um, especially with with DJ Reed showing last year that he probably will have the most success at nickel corner. And then you have Jimmy Ward, who hasn't been able to stay healthy in his career. And if you have a guy in more, a second-year player, who it turns out can be a foundational piece in the back end of the defense, I, I think the Niners will take that. Yeah, so without Jimmy Ward, um, you're without, realistically, you're starting, uh, you're starting free safety, at least during the offseason program. Adrian Colbert has said... Um, and he wasn't, he didn't, Adrian Colbert didn't participate in seven on sevens yesterday. He did participate in full team. And he said after practice, when we got to talk to him that, um, his reps are being limited because of the ankle injury he had that required surgery that landed him on IR late last year. He also had a hip issue. He also had a hamstring issue. So I think the 49ers are approaching Colbert with extreme caution. So then, you know, you have Anton Exum really as your only, free safety um, with, you know, that you're comfortable putting with the starters at this point with Ward Colbert and DJ Reed dealing with different nagging injuries, or I guess in Ward's case, definitely not nagging it's he's injured. But um, so I'm with you in that. I don't necessarily know that it's a permanent change. And I don't know that the 49ers know that it's a permanent change. I think they want to get the way Robert Sala described it was, you know, we're just trying to get somebody on the field uh, or we're trying to get war, uh, more as many reps as possible um, and he because of the the dearth of, of free safeties that we have we need you know it, it makes sense to to give him that chance to see if uh, maybe we have something there that we didn't see before and if you remember Adrian Colbert was drafted to play cornerback um, I mean he was drafted to be a special teams player first and foremost but he was drafted as a cornerback and that's initially where he lined up after he joined the team after getting drafted so you know, this isn't uh, this isn't completely foreign territory for for Kyle Shanahan and this coaching staff in terms of moving guys from cornerback to safety. And given that more played safety in college, it certainly makes sense. 
Um, you know, the, the, the thing that I'm waiting to see is, and we're going to have to wait a couple months on this, obviously is, you know, when training camp starts and Jimmy Ward is healthy and DJ Reed is healthy, uh, and Colbert is healthy. It would seem to me that there aren't going to be those reps at safety that need filling. So maybe more goes back to cornerback, which raises the question, sort of the issue that Jimmy Ward had last year when he was constantly being shuffled around. Are you, um, are, are you, you know, not maximizing his skill set because you're you're putting a lot of different positions on his plate and can he handle that? I don't know that he can. Um, like I said, without without pads and and really just doing seven on seven stuff, it's really hard to glean much from training camp. I, I know, you know, OTAs. It, yeah, OTAs. Apologies. So training camp is much more beneficial in terms of <laughs> evaluating where things stand with different guys. But the forty, there are so many injuries, and the Forty ers are dealing with with guys who are dealing with, you know, with ailments of, of varying degrees that it's hard to say exactly what their approach is to this. Um, Matt Mayoko spoke with uh, the assistant uh, defensive backs coach yesterday. I wasn't a part of that conversation, but Mayoko is reporting it like more is permanently switching to safety. I don't know that for a fact. I talked to Joe Woods a little bit, the secondary coach um, and didn't necessarily get that, get that same idea from him. And this isn't me questioning Mayoko's reporting. Mayoko's always spot on with this stuff, but um, I think it wouldn't surprise me at all. If those other free safeties came back healthy at the starting training at the start of training camp, and then more moved back to corner. I'm way more interested. It's obviously interesting that they're playing him there, but you see the logic and they need a body back there. And rather than making a change on the roster, they have this guy who is experienced at the position and can go play it. I'm more interested in how he does at that spot. And if he does well enough in OTAs, which like you said, we can't learn a ton from, but if he does well enough in OTAs that the coaching staff says, Hey, let's give him snaps with the second team in training camp and kind of see how that goes. So it could be like you just said, it could be a matter of he's there, doesn't do anything spectacular. And they're like, yeah, his plan is to play corner. That's where he's going. But I think if he shows something that that says he can be a, a legitimate safety in, in the NFL, I absolutely think that, that they won't hesitate to move him there because San Francisco doesn't have anybody who, who's a proven starter and who has proven that they can stay on the field for 16 games. And if they think Moore can do that, I don't think they have a problem moving him. Yeah, agree. And uh, looking at Moore's spider graph, you remember how impressive he is physically? Yeah, you're a big spider graph guy. Big spider graph guy. So um, he ran a 4.32 in the 40, which is the 99th percentile. It's very fast. Among safeties coming out of the draft. 38 and a half inch vertical jump. Uh, that's 85th percentile. Also very good. 133 inch broad jump. 97th percentile. Uh, three cone drill is 695, which is solid which is a solid overall time, um, 61st percentile among safeties. Just a, uh, a really, really good athlete and um, curious to see if it, if it translates. I think the 49ers probably would have drafted him in the fourth or fifth round if not for that ridiculous 4-3-2 he ran at his pro day. This is a guy who's uh, 6'1", 200 pounds, and I think he has the 32 or 33 inch arms uh, that mock draftable doesn't have his uh, his arm length on the spider chart. But um, 
hate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, more more is definitely an intriguing player to watch as the offseason unfolds, which leads us to so talking about, I guess, these. Is, is there something you want to say? Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to quite I'm going to put a pin in this more thing because I think um, I'm going to bring it back up when when we get to what we're getting to next. Right. OK, so um, I think in, in broad strokes, we can say from watching OTAs that we're learning a lot more about the 49ers defense this spring than we are the offense. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with injuries. Right. So yesterday, Jimmy Garoppolo got a ton of reps, but most of those reps or all of those reps for him were in seven on sevens. And the 49ers are doing a lot more seven on seven work instead of 11 on 11, or at least they were yesterday uh, because Garoppolo isn't cleared for 11 on 11 coming off his ACL tear. So they're doing a lot of seven on seven stuff. Um, it's really hard to learn a whole lot about the offense when it's seven on seven, right? Cause it's only passing plays. Um, you you get formations and stuff, but it, it's just not it's not really the same. Uh, but defensively, we are learning a lot about the Niners and their new scheme. And talking about safeties, uh, the, uh, under Joe Woods, the Niners are are trying to do uh, trying to make their safeties a lot more interchangeable. So if you remember, there's their Seahawks style scheme that they employed these last two years, where it was you know the the safety spots were very clearly defined. There was the deep safety uh, who played single high and was, you know, roaming the middle of the field, generally, you know, 15 to 20 yards downfield at the snap. And then you had a strong safety who was essentially working at the second level of the defense in the box, basically as an extra linebacker. And then in base downs, you had the Sam linebacker on the line of scrimmage. So we talked about it before, but the Sam linebacker now generally is going to be moved back to the second level. So it's going to look like a more traditional 4-3 while the defensive ends wide up a little bit, line up a little bit wider um, in, in the wide nine technique, right? So they're going to be setting the edge and then the uh, forcing everybody inside instead of that Sam linebacker on the strong side. So that's a notable what change. What does that mean? <laughs> so that's a notable change. <laughs> um, and and so the safety, What so Adrian Colbert said it, so- can I uh, can I can I real quick can yeah, I pause you real quick? Yeah. So can you explain what that means for the linebackers? Like so that Sam linebacker is not on the end of the line anymore. Right. So okay. So so the way I always thought about it was like this: the 49ers essentially lined up. They were four three. They were a four three front by definition, but they lined up as a three four. So. What I mean by that is you had it was a, it was a four three under or sorry a four three over so essentially that Sam linebacker is the same position as an outside linebacker would be in a three four so if you remember right. the 49ers from earlier this decade Ahmad Brooks essentially would have been the Sam linebacker and then right. Alden Smith would have been you know the Leo or whatever it's it lined up very similarly. But what's going to happen now? And so that Sam linebacker was essentially a big defensive end or a defensive end type player. What's going to happen now is you have three linebackers at the second level of the defense instead of just two. So those three linebackers all of a sudden become interchangeable at all three spots instead of just two spots as they were before. So essentially, um, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Quan Alexander, um, Malcolm Smith, 
essentially all those guys are, are interchangeable now. Whereas those guys could typically only play those two inside spots the last couple years. So what you're doing is you're widening the front four, which in design is meant to funnel players more uh, more inside, and then you have three linebackers there instead of just two. Um, we'll have to see how it works. I'm not a I'm not an X, X's and O's expert, um, but obviously it's it's much more of a traditional look than what the 49ers did previously. And so what happens now is you have the, the 49ers are also trying to be more interchangeable at safety, right? So that means um, the two safety spots, you know, they're, they're going to be plays where if it's Adrian Colbert at free safety or Jaquasi Tart at strong safety, they're going to be plays where Colbert's in the box and Tart's playing deep or vice versa. And Colbert has gained weight. He's gained roughly 15 pounds since the end of last season so he can handle the rigors of playing in the box. And Jaquaski Tart, if you remember, replaced Jimmy Ward early in the 2017 season when Ward was out with an injury. Um, he played free safety, and that's when he made that one-handed interception in the opener against Cam Newton. Um, was that 20? Yeah, that was 2017, I believe. Uh, so what the 49ers are trying to do, essentially, is create more deception for, for quarterbacks, in order to create confusion, obviously, and then hopefully that'll lead to more interceptions. And what the 49ers think happened last year, I mean, so you look at that Seattle Seahawks defense, right? It was very simplistic. You know exactly what the cover three looks are going to be. Uh, when you're at the line of scrimmage, you you basically, you know what the defense is going to do. But this, the Seahawks personnel was so good and obviously elite. You had three possible Hall of Famers back there that even if you knew what they were going to do, it was still really, really tough to attack them because they're so smart, so instinctive, knew the defense so well and had so much chemistry um, and cohesiveness. So now what you're doing is you're sort of veering away from that because the 49ers obviously don't have somebody as talented as Earl Thomas or Cam Chancellor. They do have Richard Sherman, but you know, obviously a different Richard Sherman than prime Richard Sherman. So there's going to be more deception. They're going to be, there's going to be more disguises um, in order to throw quarterbacks off because the Niners aren't going to rely solely on their talent to disrupt passing games. And I think it's smart. I mean, Joe Woods ran some, some pretty good defenses with Denver. He was their defensive backs coach in 2015 when they went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl and had arguably the best defensive football that year. Um, and he was a secondaries coach then. And, and then this past, these past two years, he he's been their defensive coordinator. So I don't know if it's going to work, but it's certainly notable change. Yeah. And I think a change they needed to make just based on their personnel, because like you said, that Seahawks defense was so good because of their ability to put pressure on opposing teams by just being good. Like they didn't have to, they didn't have to do anything fancy. They were going to line up mano a mano and they were going to beat you. Uh, the, the thing I'm interested in is I want to get back to the Tavarius Moore thing. So I'm pulling, unpinning that and bringing it back into the conversation. <laughs> Do you think his size and the fact that they want to make those safety spots a little more interchangeable? Do you think his size, since he kind of profiles physically more as a, as a strong safety at, uh, six, one, 200 pounds, do you think that motivated that change at all? I don't think it hurt. Um, I don't know what he weighs now. I know before the before the draft, he weighed in at, at 199. 
and I would imagine he's gained weight since then. If I'm going to go to the super accurate 49ers roster. Hang on. Yeah, if I, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to talking to him at some point. We'll probably get him next week. I, I want to see if they asked him immediately after the season ended to gain weight, and if they told him, look, we're going to move you to, to safety after, you know, if they said that after the season ended, or if this is just a decision they've made uh, recently because of Ward's injury. I think last week more lined up at, at cornerback. Um, but like I said, we only get to watch one practice a week and they have three or four practices a week. So uh, I don't know exactly how much they, they've been working him in at safety as opposed to cornerback. So yeah, I mean, if, if they're like, if he says, yeah, they asked me to throw on 15 pounds, I would say, yeah, they, they definitely envision him possibly being in the box as a, as a strong safety. And you remember too, they did this with, um, remember the last preseason, they did the same thing with Tyvis Powell because they had injuries in the back end in the preseason. They moved him from cornerback to safety. Um, so, and that was kind of a temporary thing. Uh, I mean, Powell ended up playing both cornerback and safety during the season. He was, he was actually at strong safety in that game. They lost in Arizona, uh, when Josh Rosen, continued to to pepper his side of the field in coverage in those during those scoring drives late in the fourth quarter um in that one so I mean I don't know I I think it's it's an interesting question it's certainly one of the interesting new subplots of the offseason in that Moore was a pretty highly drafted player as a third round pick a year ago and um you know if if he works at safety then then the coaching staff is going to look really smart if it doesn't work and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, if he's not playing there and he plays at cornerback and he struggles at cornerback, then we're going to look back at this and say, well, why didn't you just leave him at cornerback? Because ultimately, I don't think Dante Johnson's going to make the team. Um, you know, why are you giving Dante Johnson Tarverius Moore's reps at corner? So, I mean, it's it's tricky, but uh, it's certainly an interesting thing to, to keep on following. I think I think so, too. It's it's the fact that they have so many different players who can play all these different positions and there's still so much time to go between now and September 8th. Right. So I'm very interested to see with, especially, especially with so many openings at on, on the depth chart, uh, that one cornerback spot is pretty much wide open. Both safety spots are wide open. And if they've got guys bouncing in between those two, those two positions, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to watch and may make the position battles there more unique than, than normal. Want more great NFL content? This is Kyle Madsen, co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast. Check out my podcast and other NFL podcasts on the network by searching Blue Wire and iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast players. Yeah, so we mentioned how much easier it is to to learn things about the defense at this point because there are all these moving parts, and and we actually got to talk to mostly defensive players and defensive assistant coaches yesterday. So one thing we did get from Tevin Coleman, who's who's one of the only you know three healthy running backs at this point during the offseason program, was he said that he's lining up as a receiver here a lot more than he did when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons when Coleman was there. Mm. And so I know we talked about Jalen hurt a lot. Um, I just, this 49ers offense seems like it's going to be just a little bit. uh, I don't know if progressive is the right term or if cutting edge is the right term, but 
I, I think there are going to be a lot of running backs lined up wide as pass catchers. There are going to be, you know, Jalen Hurd might line up in the backfield. Uh, George Kittle, you remember he got some, he got, I think, one reverse last year. Uh, yeah. He lined up in the backfield as an H back quite a bit. Um, Kyle Juszczyk's obviously a versatile guy. Like, I think Kyle Shanahan entering year three here and, and having a lot of these same players for a long time now is going to get uh, kind of crazy with the design of this offense. And I'm curious to see where it goes. Once, Positionless offense, baby. Once we finally have uh, an idea of what it's going to look like in training camp when we can see real 11 on 11 stuff. Think of how much I want to use a specific example you just brought up. Think of how much it's going to mess with opposing defenses. If Jalen Hurd, George Kittle, and pick a running back, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breida, whoever, mm-hmm. all run onto the field and there's zero certainty about where they're going to line up. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a scenario where they run out those three guys on consecutive plays and on one, McKinnon split out wide with Hurd in the backfield and Kittle lined up at tight end. And then the next play it's Kittle lined up in the backfield with Hurd split out wide or Hurd at tight end and the running back still split out wide. Like there's so much they're going to be able to do. And, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm very, very intrigued to see the way they deploy some of the new weapons. they have. What's going to be interesting is that like you could have the same personnel on the field consecutive plays. And the first play you could have Kittle and Jalen Hurd, in line as blocking tight ends in a traditional look with two receivers out wide and one running back. And then you could have the exact same personnel the next play and you can have an empty backfield and five wide. And right. And it would make sense. You know what I mean? And that's a, that's the type of stuff that, that I think Kyle Shanahan does really well is find matchups, try to find soft spots in the defense through those matchups and then just make it as difficult to prepare for the prepare for his offense as possible during the week because he can do so many things out of a single personnel grouping and I think that was that was pretty clear he was on that track when they they gave Jarek McKinnon that contract and you know 14 million guaranteed at signing or whatever it was Um, and we saw it during training camp and I know I've said this over and over again but I really believe that Jarek McKinnon's injury was was a big deal just given the way the 49ers were practicing and the plays they were running throughout training camp because McKinnon was such a fulcrum of the offense, whether it be obviously in the running game, but, um, you know, screens out of the backfield, the 49ers were going to use him a bunch of different ways, lining up in the slot, you know, isolating him against linebackers and strong safeties, different things like that. I think he was really going to be sort of a, some something the the 49ers could use as as an outlet um you know if things downfield fall through then you have somebody open underneath in space who's a matchup problem in McKinnon um who can make the 49ers really difficult to defend and I think once they lost him a week before the season they didn't have anybody else to replicate that skill set I know Matt Breida's similarly fast but he's not quite as dynamic as McKinnon was at least um, given, you know, the way the way the team practiced before McKinnon's injury. So now it seems like if and when McKinnon ever comes back, you add Jalen Hurd to that mix, who's super versatile. You add Tevin Coleman, who is 
probably in terms of just versatility is what I would say is probably a notch below McKinnon, but could be equally as effective uh, in the passing game. I just think the Niners could be really unique in that they could do so many different things with with their personnel because all these guys are so versatile. And it affords them the ability to stay what's the word I'm to basically stay versatile if they do suffer some injuries. They don't they're not going to have one player kind of derail their entire their entire offense like you just mentioned with McKinnon like he was going to be such a big part of what they did last year and Matt Breida had a had a good year don't get me wrong but he just wasn't quite on that level yet as a receiver and he did get better there as the year went on but I don't foresee them having an issue this year where if a player gets hurt they they have to completely change what they want to do on offense right and I think that's one of the things that that the 49ers were were trying to insulate themselves from this offseason with all these personnel moves um, let's switch it up and talk about the secondary again. Uh, and this isn't more, this isn't a schematic thing, but this is more of, uh, something I, I, I take away from talking to, first of all, the, the new secondary coach, Joe Woods and Akella Witherspoon and, and Adrian Colbert, who were made available to us yesterday. The, both those guys. So it started with Joe Woods, and he said something really interesting. I was asking him about Witherspoon and and how he sort of diagnosed Akella Witherspoon's sort of fall from grace in his second NFL season last year. You remember he looked really good at the end of his rookie season. He went into that off season penciled in as a starter, didn't really face any competition, and the Forty ers were going to roll with Witherspoon and Richard Sherman as their starting corners, and that was going to be a significant upgrade from when it was Witherspoon and Dante Johnson um, the previous season. What ended up happening was, of course, is that Witherspoon sort of regressed and that he didn't play nearly as well, um, and the 49ers would contend that a lack of offseason competition might have been the reason why. He didn't really play or practice with a ton of urgency throughout the spring, and he just assumed because he was in his second year in the league that he would make the he would progress like a lot of guys typically do. Uh, but so what Woods said about Witherspoon and, and what Colbert echoed about how he played last year was that. And I wrote about this yesterday, but Witherspoon did the worst thing a cornerback can do by trying to make more plays and were available for him to make which is interesting because we talk about the simplicity of the Niners defense, right? Like, you know what essentially what the defense is going to do and a lot of it's zone. So your responsibilities are pretty clearly delineated. And if you stray from that, you're the field's going to be unbalanced. You're going to leave open pockets. And, you know, that was one of the issues the 49ers ran into last year was Akella Witherspoon trying to make plays when they weren't there. I forget. I want to say it was the Denver game, but there was a play action play or like a fake to a short pass and Witherspoon had his eyes in the backfield and completely jumped forward trying to make a play on a pump fake or, or a, a running play. And then the guy he was supposed to cover streaked downfield for like a 40-yard touchdown. Um, I, I want to say it was a Broncos game. That, I feel like that exact thing happened a lot. Right. And so that's what Witherspoon said. He said, I wasn't doing my job within the framing of the defense. I was trying to make plays that I shouldn't have been trying to make. And Adrian Colbert said the same thing. Like Colbert said that he was watching so much tape of all these other elite safeties and that he was trying to do what those guys did. 
And instead of just being true to who he is and staying within himself and not straying from his responsibilities. And so ultimately the 49er, essentially what the, what the 49ers are saying is that those guys trying to do too much and play outside of themselves and play outside of the scheme was among the reasons that there were so many busts in coverage last year. And it does make sense. You can go back and watch all the, a bunch of those plays from last year and thinking, think, you know, with that in your head and say, okay, that's, that was the obvious problem. So right. both Witherspoon and Colbert have this mindset to where they're focusing more on their responsibilities instead of trying to make plays. And they were trying to make plays so badly because the team only had two interceptions, none by cornerbacks and that it really hindered them. And it sort of snowballed in the opposite direction. Um, and so I thought that was a really interesting takeaway from talking to those guys because we talk all the time about, you know, well, they, they weren't good enough, so why didn't, they, why didn't they add a safety or why didn't they add a cornerback? Well, what, what is undervalued in, in that discussion is the idea that these guys can get dramatically better and the 49ers are banking on that. And that's not to say I necessarily agree with that line of thinking. I, I do think they probably should have added it at free safety and made a – another investment in a cornerback that, um, you know, wasn't Jason Verrett, who's played in five games over the last three seasons. Uh, but it is interesting to know that, you know, if Akella Witherspoon and Adrian Colbert play like they did in 2017, it's going to be because they simplified things in their own head, didn't try to play outside themselves and, and sort of stuck to the scheme, um, instead of trying to do otherwise. And, and, what stuck out to me when they said that, I immediately think of Bill Belichick when he says, you know, do your job. When he says do your job, that's right. exactly what he means. Do only what you're supposed to do and don't try to make up for what other people aren't doing um, because then that's how you give up big plays and that's how you make mistakes. It sounds a lot like when a job interviewer asks me what my weaknesses are. <laughs> I just try and make too many plays. <laughs> I just, I'm always out there sure, just looking to make plays and... <laughs> but no, like it, like I said, it makes sense because Akella Witherspoon didn't get worse at coverage overnight. Uh, Adrian Colbert didn't get worse in coverage overnight. And oftentimes when you see a defensive back letting a receiver get behind them, yeah, sometimes they just get beat. But as badly as the Niners secondary was getting beat last year, you knew there was something more to it than, oh, that player's just not good enough. And Robert Sala kept bringing up communication issues. We had a communication breakdown and this and that. But you can you can absolutely see where Witherspoon trying to to jump a route or to to get into the backfield to make a to make a play in the run game and then letting that guy go by him. You can see where that can be classified as there's a communication issue between. Uh, Witherspoon and what he was supposed to be doing or between Witherspoon and Colbert or, or whoever it might be. Um, so you can, you can absolutely see how that was a problem last season. And it's really easy to see how fixing that would immediately make those two guys better. Right. And you, if you get those two guys playing significantly better and you get the pass rush, you know, improving like the way it should with D Ford and Nick Bosa, and DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas, if all those guys get better, then you can see the blueprint, you know, sort of the, the path towards significant improvement on the defensive side. And that'll be huge. Right. I mean, if, if, 
if the Niners make the playoffs in 2019, it's going to be because the secondary plays well. They're not going to they're not going to do it if the secondary plays like it did last year. So that's that to me is the biggest key um, for the team that you know that isn't Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. They they have to be better. All right, should we wrap it up? Is there anything else you want yeah, to say? Yeah, let's do that. No, I have nothing else to say. Goodbye. <laughs> well, thank everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Apple yeah, Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Look us up. Give us up. Give us five stars, pretty please. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.